Enter star 1 to start recording the conference, or star 2 to return to the conference. Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed is the weekly podcast where we talk about all things scuba diving, from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba in the news. Welcome back to episode 41 of Scuba Obsessed. This week in the news, we have warm water is proven dangerous. Scuba diver, shark, camera, tuna pulls down diver, abandoned diver rescues million, receives million plus, bait for scuba diver and typography geeks, Sequarium searches for a mermaid, and golf ball cam. Really? We're not kidding this time. I'd also like to welcome back my co-host, Jim. Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? <laughs> Doing good. <laughs> Last week we we got a little worried you were okay, but it, I understand we got sort of late start that that uh, that made things a little tough. Yeah, well, everybody got to rolling, and I didn't want to interrupt at all, so I just uh, I just uh, sauntered off to bed. I had an early morning plan, so that's all good. That's <laughs> yeah, all good. It worked out. Uh, uh, nobody can say that Rich and Mac can't talk, so uh, we had plenty to keep it covered. Right. <laughs> So let's go ahead and we'll get started in the news this week. I'm breaking in a new internet connection, so hopefully this goes rather well. I've got tons of bandwidth coming down, but not so much going up, so it has me a little concer- concerned. Uh, but we'll go ahead and play around and see what we can accomplish with this. Uh, first article is, and we don't need to make fun of this, so uh, whenever no. somebody dies, it's a tragedy. But we had been saying that warm water is dangerous, and here is proof. Swimming in warm water can take a deadly toll on the body. This is a CNN.com article. And this is a case of a, uh, there was a competition, and this was in the United Arab Emirates. And uh, it was a U.S. swimmer who passed after doing, uh, during a 10-kilometer marathon. And uh, what they were complaining about, and a lot of the uh, people in this triathlon were complaining about the water temperatures were too warm. Right. Uh, in the 80s, they said it felt like a jacuzzi. So, I mean, these are top athletes. They're working hard, and it made it uncomfortable. So uh, they, they don't completely have the details to the death, but they believe it was just overheat, which probably started with swimming in that warm water. Yeah, it's a, it's a horrible thing to – when the news of this first broke, uh, you know, everybody was kind of going back and forth. Um, but uh, what a horrible, horrible thing. Yeah. Uh, and this is just something that no matter where you are, what you're doing, you have to keep that in mind. And, and that, that's tough. I mean, for a diver, not a diver, but a, a, a triathlete who's training all the time, uh, you, you condition your body to be able to ignore the, the pain and the signs because, you know, a lot of those are just in your head. But there are those that you have to be aware of. And, uh, you know, it looks like. Uh, th- this sport needs to do some analysis on what conditions are too warm for the sport to continue. Uh, you know, maybe they have to call it. Right, exactly. And, and in reading this, the the uh, the sanctioning body, I guess is what you would call it, uh, says that they've got a lower limit of 61 degrees, uh, um, but it doesn't doesn't uh, identify any water that's too warm. I guess it, how often does that really happen? Um, and here it's it certainly has come to the forefront that that's a possibility. 
Well, and it probably has to depend with, because you are talking a number of events, and this is an endurance type. So oh, yeah. you know, for those who don't know what a triathlon is, you've got the, the swimming, I believe it's at least a mile of swimming. You have uh, the bike ride, and then you have the run, and the run, I think, is a full marathon, depending on the event. So you could have, I mean, it could be the case that the water is too warm, but if you had a cooler air temperature, there's, you know, it's that core temperature of your body, which really gives you the problems, which would cool you down. So, you know, be aware, you know, no matter what sport you're in, uh, make sure that you, you understand the risks and what's involved because, uh, mm. plenty of these activities can be, can be dangerous. Uh, the next one is, uh, a shark, uh, takes a camera from, from a diver. How would you like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I actually wouldn't, but I think if it's you know me, shark, camera, and he's going for the camera, I'm actually feeling pretty lucky. Scott yeah. uh, McNichol was filming near the ocean floor approximately three stories before the surface. I guess I can't give an actual depth when a shark attacked his camera. Uh, he says he wasn't hurt. Uh, he says it looked to be about eight feet, 300-pound uh, poor beagle shark. And I'm, I'm assuming that's a type of a shark. A poor beagle sounds like what happens to what the shark eats on the on the surface. Well, it sounds like a sandwich. <laughs> Do you want a poor beagle? You want well, fries? Sure, I that? would. Yes. <laughs> but it it says, and I'm looking it up right here. Um, but it says it had a has the appearance of a mako or a great white uh, in uh, fin structure and things like that. And uh, you know, I'm not so sure that an eight footer wouldn't look like a 20 footer to me coming in at me, whether it's coming in at the camera or not. Uh, you can have it, take it. I'm out of here. Now, have you seen a shark underwater? Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't either. I mean, I've seen them at the, the tanks and we got sheds aquarium here in the great lakes. Uh, right. Right. And, well, I can uh, safely say the first time I do, I'll be the second man in history to walk on water <laughs> up, up and out. Um, I know it's irrational, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I... Oh, yeah. So uh, they say they eat mostly herring and mackerel and rarely attack humans. <laughs> rarely. Rarely. That, you know? That's the me. That's my factor right yeah. there. You know, and please do not name your kids rarely. The next one is tuna pull scuba diver to 300 feet. A giant tuna accidentally cached a diver and dragged them to a depth of 300 feet or 91 meters. The Philippine Coast Guard reported that Ramir Tay was on a recreational dive in waters off Kembia on Saturday, October 23rd. Uh, he was swimming at about 80 feet. The tuna somehow cached the diver and pulled him down before he was able to free himself. He was rescued by members of the uh, Special Operations Group, a helicopter from the Air Force Base, airlifted a diver to the Coast Guard search and rescue vessel, uh, the San Juan, uh, and he was treated in a recompression chamber. There is no information on how the tuna cached the diver or how he was able to free himself. And uh, if you read other parts of the article, it seems like they're kind of wondering if maybe he might have been part of a special operations, but they, they did say recreational. But, yow! <laughs> what a ride, huh? Yeah, I kind of got a theme here. Animals, uh, <laughs> I, I think they might be a little upset. They don't want us there. Yeah. You know, it's probably, they're probably saying, you know, that they don't like the open circuit. 
I think that's what Bob would say. He'd say they, you know, if we were, if you're doing closed circuit, it'd be fine. Well, so, in yeah. the the photo, assuming the photo is not just stock photo, it's actually a photo of the diver. He's wearing doubles. So, but man, could you? I mean, could no. you imagine that a, a tuna? I mean, tunas are big. I mean, they're not a a small fish. Okay, but, so you, you plan the dive and dive the plan. <laughs> well, you can't. <laughs> Where's the flow chart for tuna? Tuna. Yeah, that's, where, where does the offshoot for you know for dragging you down a hundred yards? That, I think I think that is the oh my. Yeah, well, and then yeah. what, do you, what do you do? What do you? I mean, I'm I, I'm going through my dive plans, and if I put tuna in there, what am right. I going to do? What, I mean, it's like even if it's in the chart, <laughs> what right. is the uh, What's the protocol? What's the correct response? Well, I think I think if it's between tuna and shark, you might be better off with a shark. <laughs> I mean, the shark it's going to be a, it's going to be an attack or a, a bite, and you know if you cause him pain, he's going to say, "Okay, that's fine." The tuna, he, uh, he he's just going. <laughs> I mean, because most likely it wasn't something that was planned i mean the tuna didn't go and say you know i'm gonna hey hey guys watch this yeah <laughs> let me grab this diver <laughs> i like the pop noise they make when you hit 400 feet exactly Duke. Oh. no i i don't know and, and at first i was kind of thinking you know this what if this was a hoax what if it, but you know he went through he had to go through recompression he had to you know yeah you that might be a hoax no. you do once and then after you've spent the the greater part of 14 hours in a dive chamber. Yeah, no, that's not, yeah. Well, so yeah. something spooky. That had to be a, a hair-raising experience. Yeah. Wow. Okay, well, let's, let's see what the next one is. Maybe that will be something a little bit better. Well, <laughs> the, the, this one, uh, and I don't know if this one's better. Uh, abandoned scuba diver receives $1.68 million in damages. And uh, we've we've talked about this case a couple times. Uh, he mm-hmm. was abandoned in the Pacific Ocean in a 2004 dive trip. He was award, awarded 1.68 million dollars in a five-year legal battle against a uh, a dive company and uh, charter operation. Uh, the the jury assessed him uh, the damages as part of his suit for two million. They reduced the award because they con- they considered that he was partially responsible. Because he had been told to surface closer to the boat. Now, I agree that you take a risk and that you are responsible. I think he, because the part of the problem was, if if you remember back when we talked about it before, nobody could agree on who was his dive buddy. Right. Yeah, that, I, you know, and, and maybe, you know, we don't have all the facts, so we're just speculating. But my assumption is that maybe he didn't you know, properly have a dive buddy. You know, it was one of those things where, you know, the charter company's uh, procedures to have a dive buddy, but if you don't, then, oh, well, we'll just say you're with the dive master. Right. Which I which I don't know how that really works. I mean, how can the dive master have a buddy? To me, the dive master's buddy is the whole group. Uh, the, I, I would have to defer to some of the more experienced uh, instructors and dive masters, but, but in the end... The boat left the dive site minus one diver. More than once. So, so they, they checked you know, him he, in. They they checked him in. 
the first dive site because what happens, he went down, he had problem equalizing, he went up, and then he realized that he was a little too far away from the boat. He tried to get back, but the current was taking him away. So he figured, hey, right. no problem. He had his safety sausage up. He had his whistle. So he's blowing, signaling, and then you see the boat go away. So they signed him in there. So, you know, you have a breakdown of the buddy process. You have a breakdown of the sign-in process. Uh, what, they're, what they're saying now is that both the boat operators and the dive master is responsible. But at the point when this happened, it was only the dive master who's technically responsible for making sure everybody's checked in. And then they went to the next site and they signed him down <laughs> in, in there. I didn't realize that. Yeah, so, and, at, and at some yeah. point, and at some point, everything went down, and they realized he was gone. Went back to the first site, couldn't find him because he was too far away. And then Boy Scouts, who were on a tall ship, spotted him. I mean, can you imagine? You know, because I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a scoutmaster, and you know, these kids are excited. So stuff as an adult that is is boring and dull. You know, like sitting up in a in a mass, staring off in the water where you know there's nothing. To them. They've got an intensity that only youth can have. So they. Okay. At what point did you lose me? <laughs> at a, <laughs> I was kind of like on this dive ship and the dive ship pulled away and I saw you taken off and never came <laughs> back for me. <laughs> no, we, we were just talking about that. How I didn't realize that he had been um, signed back in and then back out again like a, a stolen library book. Yeah, you know, which is, you know, and again, don't sue us. <laughs> uh, my my name is Alfred E. Newman. So right. Uh, what me so, worry? Yeah, what me worry? But yeah, it, it, it was multiple events, and then you know, of course, we're hearing this all through the the media. So right. if you want to know what it is? Read the court documents and and get everything firsthand. But yeah, he it was you know it happened more than once. I mean. So there's a breakdown in the in the process, and and hopefully, if anything can be learned from this, and I'm sure 1.68 million is not only enough for this operation to learn, but all of them. And unfortunately, it would send a message, I would think. And unfortunately, all the other dive operators who might have rock solid processes are going to get pulled into this, and it's going to cost them more in insurance and stuff. So. You know, uh, and and I don't have any feeling on the amount of the damages. I don't know if that's too much or not enough. Um, right, it, it, right. Yeah, I I think when I heard, you know, because a lot of this is, you know, it's it's kind of like negotiating. You way overshoot what you really want mm -hmm. in hopes of, you know, being met somewhere in the middle. Because he was actually going for more. Yeah, I mean, he he was suing for two million, but then he was hoping for everything to cover things future. Because he's saying he had cancer that resulted from being out there. And you know, I you know, there's if if you're a diver outside, you have a lot more sun time than right you now floating around the water. And I and I have no doubt that he got burned really bad. But you know, I don't know. I don't know if anybody can know how much that that played into it, but yeah, one point six eight million. So and he, his obligation, yeah. his obligation to come back up, for whatever reason, um, he surfaced too far from the boat. He was away from his buddy. Yes, yes. But what would they have done if it had been an emergency situation where he had to do uh, an, a free ascent away from the boat? 
for what they considered a legitimate reason, would they have known the difference and been able to pick him up? No. Yeah. No, he would have been. He would. He would have nonetheless been left to drift. Um, in an unfortunate accident, is it a one point six million dollar accident? I don't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, I don't know, but. Wow. So. But uh, I think I'd know, rather take my my chances with the poor beagle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I've thought about it. You know, the, it's one of those things is as you as you dream of different careers you can have with scuba diving. You know, boat operator is one of them. So I always mentally think of you know how how do you avoid these type of situations? You know, I've I've thought of like people going in mines. You know, you have the board with the tags, and maybe the tag has a carabiner, and you make everybody clip one on their their BC. A so, physical checkout yeah, type you, system. Yeah, you physical yep. checkout. I mean, and, and you can't just do physical, but you do physical, you do roll call, uh, you got a dive briefing on the boat. So there's multiple things. You got the dive buddy. So hopefully you get it because you hear about a case of somebody being left behind a little too often. And now when when we watched, let's see, uh, Open Water came out. Wasn't that well, the first year that we were certified or close to it? Okay. Well, I, th- I think we I think we had just done our Open Water dive, and you told me to go watch the movie. And I'm, you know, after watching <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, here's your scuba tip. If you're not certified and you're thinking about it, do not watch Open Water. Right. But, and then you're thinking, oh, that, you know. That's drama. That that never happens. Well, as you pay attention, it does happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, um, now now here's a question. So. Here's a question for you. Do you think it's more likely or less likely to happen to us since we tend to dive with friends, with boats? I know the guys we dive with. Does that should that make a difference? I think it does, but I'm not sure which way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. Um, I mean, one thing is that we tend to, because we don't. nobody has a boat which is holding six or eight people. But I, I could see a situation that could arise, even in our type of situation, where, because there's been times where you'll start on one boat and then you'll end on another. You know, we'll, we'll drift the boats together. And that's some of the things that's kind of concerned me is maybe, you know, like, like say, like this last time you went out, Josh was, got sick. Yeah. So I'm on, you know, so, you know, I rode out right. with you. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go and I'm going to buddy with Mac. And then, right. you know, you, you know, you, you, you scrub the dive and you say, I'm going to go back in. Yep. Well, then maybe... Somehow, you know, Larry, who's or not Larry, but uh, Ken, who's got the other boat, you know, he's he's now technically the boat operator. Maybe he didn't clearly know that I was going from your boat to that boat. And then Mac has a free flow, goes down, comes up, or he has some maybe some other problem. I mean, I, you know, I, it would be unlikely, but I'm just I could just see that there could be situations. So just because we're not a professional operation. We know everybody, it could be there. So it just, all these options start going through my mind of right. how terrible it is to, to be left out there. So, uh, we, we can learn from it even in our own situations. Let's Oh, let's, oh yeah. And no, it, it no just reinforces, reinforces the fact of communication and a plan. Yes. Okay? And if that plan varies, um, everybody's got to be in on it. Yeah. 
Well, um, and, and then there, there, there should be a window that's so tight that you can't say, hold it, stop everything, let's discuss it. Yeah, let's find out where Darren's at. I, dinner reservation will wait for, I'll give him 20 yeah. minutes, and then I'm going for dinner. Okay, but 20 minutes. Okay, I feel... I, <laughs> you're worth 20 minutes. 20 minutes, okay, thank I you. I mean, come on. But no, you're right, and it's it's a it's a good point. Um, another situation, it, we've had more than one. Um, now that you mention it, um, you know where a diver would enter, and then on exit would come. Oh, Jimmy, you still there? I'm up on. I'm still I'm still here. Are you there? Yeah, you you broke up. You said we had more than one occasion where divers come up. Oh yeah, more than one occasion where where divers will enter from one boat with one buddy and then at the surface split and come over to the, you know, to exit on the other boat. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's something we need to keep in mind. Are you there? Yep. I, I, I'm okay. all for that. So we'll, we'll keep everybody, uh, honest. Uh, and then I, and then I, and I think as we, not honest, but, uh, aware, but I also think that we need to – in fact, I don't think – we haven't had the chance to do a charter. Have you done a boat charter yet? Um, not not a, a charter where there's numerous divers going off. Um, we had four, four off of one down in Florida, and uh, but that was all relatively simple. Okay. Yeah, because I, I haven't had the chance. I mean, I've I've wanted to, but it's everything's mostly been either close to home or we've been with friends diving. So, right. Uh, right. But that's one of those things. I'm I'm yeah. I'm I'm going to question them. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, what, what is your procedure? I think it's fair to say. You know, you know what kind of first aid gear do you have in the boat? Do you have oxygen? And also, uh, are are you you know you know, you, you know maybe here's a tip. Uh, Whatever you're gonna tip them, like you do the whole the old trick where you know you you take you take the fifteen, you tear it in half, and you say, Here, "I'm taking the other half with I, me." This other half is going down. You want it? I'm I got to come up. In all in all seriousness, though, just by asking those questions, just by just by making making them aware of you, they're gonna notice that you're not. You still not there? there? Nice. Where's that guy that was badgering me? Yeah, I'm here. Are you there? Yeah, for some reason it cut off. I think we might be having a slight Skype problem. But uh, uh, we'll blame Skype this time. It can't be my brand's shiny internet connection. That's right. It can't be. Yeah. It can't be. So, but anyway, yes. Okay. So, uh, enough of that. It just, right. it's, it's one of those things you just don't want to have to think that is, is going to happen for you. Now, here's something that... Uh, I don't know if, if, if Mac would appreciate, but it, it, it kind of reminded me. It said, bait for scuba diver and typography geek. And it says, most type designers are understandably proud of their work, but uh, Cobden Sanderson, the maker of a beautiful Dove's type, was so taken by it and keen that his former business partner shouldn't use it after his death that he resolved to drown every letter in the Thames. In 1916, he began unloading his, uh, loading up his bicycle under the cover of darkness and throwing his fonts under the Hammersmith Bridge. He made more than 100 separate trips, which is a large undertaking for a man of 76. Much of it still remains in its watery grave. So, wow. 
And this is a blog, is, po- blog posting, so go ahead and uh, and click on it and and visit. So they give the guy a little bit of uh, click love there. But uh, man, yeah, because I type and, and I I I come from a long graphics background, mostly my own. But uh, you know, I even did some letterpress work, which is uh, what he they're talking about the the lead type that uh, you would use for setting together and you put it in a chase and then you load it in a letterpress so you got all these little lead letters on wooden blocks and you know just shuttling them down and he probably and probably actually what it is since he was a uh the typographer it's probably the the molds not necessarily even the blocks it's the molds where they would uh pour and make the font so uh and in type even to this day there are many People who design type are very passionate about what they've done, but then to throw it in, and I'm thinking, how cool it would be if we lived there, yes. and I to go down and get that. And and I don't know what the laws are, so don't call me up if you go and you get this, and then they take you to jail. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this, is, this is this looks to be over in the UK, so uh, you know you have to follow your local laws. So but but if it was treasure. legal. I would definitely be, and, and I know Mac and you would be. We'd be under that bridge, mm-hmm. grabbing up the little lead and and type, and it, it just it's, it's a cool thing to find. Uh, it's it's also like little caches when we're doing our river dives. That's what you're hoping to find is that sort of stuff. Oh, and these yeah. bridges are prime opportunity to find it. Uh, that's where I mean that's where you know that's where the kid goes and he throws the stick off the side and watches it float down the river and then goes wow that stick floated but what happened if something doesn't right you know grandma's uh, vase you know let's go drop that and see if it plunks you know maybe and then it then it sinks and he goes well maybe if I throw it right the next one right it'll float so I mean there's all sorts of cool stuff uh, there by the bridges that you can go and find so if you haven't had an opportunity to river dive now make sure you get training because uh, it's a different type of diving if you've just been doing shore diving or organized boat dives where they don't leave you in the water. Uh, <laughs> that's a special option. Yeah, that's, that's the option. That's the upgrade. But uh, do those river dives. Well, that is fun. And, in fact, I, you know, we had that as a backup plan for the boat dive, and I was almost disappointed. Yes. I mean, it was a great boat dive we did. Right, right, right. I was almost disappointed we can't go in the river because I wanted to do that too. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Um, and, and it is... If you're thinking that, well, there's nowhere to dive around me, everybody's got a river fairly close. And if you can get the the time right where the visibility is decent, it, it's interesting. It is interesting. It's a, it's a great dive. So if you get the chance and you're so inclined, and be prepared. It's different different uh, conditions. But also it can be exciting. If you've, if you've got that point where it's like you're not – excited you know try something new so uh, river diving is, is worth a chance uh the next one is uh the ryle sequarium search for mermaid ghost swimmingly so uh this this reminded me of uh when we were talking about the girls saying we need a mascot <laughs> and we were trying to talk them into the mermaid costume right right <laughs> so that's what was coming to mind but it looks like the aquarium is looking for a mermaid and uh they say they don't quite have enough men applicants that's mostly been women but i think it's just the mental association of mermaid uh, and they said so far they've had interest from all sorts of people student marine biologists professional divers paintball marshals the lot now, i'm trying to figure out paintball marshals i understand that they've got tanks of compressed air but what would make make you apply <laughs> i have no idea maybe just hoping to work with a mermaid well that'd be true 
That'd be enough to motivate many people. Yes, it would. So uh, 50 square meters of glass that make up the inside of the ocean system tank. Now, th- there was one little detail applicants told. That <laughs> must needed... do windows. <laughs> well, must do windows. Yeah, well, that. And they had to be available for the Easter holidays in 2011. Huh? I'm, I'm thinking there's a lot of other requirements other than Easter holiday, so maybe that's a, maybe they got something special you're going to do during Easter as a mermaid, and they want to make sure that you were available. Is it a big mermaid holiday? I don't think so. Uh, I don't know, but I mean, it's like any job you apply, and they want you to to be available. Now, are they? Is this volunteer? Because around here, I mean, pretty much, if you're in the United States and there's a big aquarium. That is the trend now, is to get volunteers to do it. In right. fact, some of these aquariums, almost everybody other than administrators is, is volunteers, which is great. Uh, I mean, I'm thinking about doing it myself. But uh, you know, here they don't say whether it's paid or not. Now, you do have to be certified PADI or equivalent, uh, open water standard, which makes sense. So that does it for the news. And then as promised last week that we didn't get around and I didn't catch it until about a half an hour after the podcast is over. A male mermaid. Really? Yeah. That was a very interesting story. And it's going to be amazing that when we edit that down, that it'll just, it won't take up a lot of bandwidth. No, it really, because the, you know, I understand it's like a family, you know, yep. Vacation movie. Holy mackerel. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so did you hear me say that does it for the news? No. Oh, okay. I took off on my uh, my mermaid story, and I, I oh, guess okay. I didn't know we got disconnected or something. <laughs> That's what happens oh. when you start talking. Yeah, exactly. So uh, maybe it's got vo- the the Skype connection as uh, voice activated. I heard me say that was it, and it, it just assumed that <laughs> it could cancel. <laughs> Shut down the windbag. Yeah, so I was blaming TalkShoe, but I mean, we're not even connected to TalkShoe, so it's not it. Uh, who knows? But it can't be my shiny new internet connection. No, no, no. That can't be. I don't believe that. No. So, uh, on to some cool gear. As I, was, as I was starting to say, the you know we promised it last week, and when about 30 minutes after the show ended, I, I remembered it. So, <laughs> this was... Camball launches golf ball size video camera. And this is one I just had to talk about because I was wondering, and we needed a ruling from Mac, whether if you took this along, if this would qualify for the golf ball on the dive. Ooh. So Camball's introduced what it's saying is the world's smallest personal video recorder, which if you know anything about video recorders, they make them smaller than this. So uh, I think it's just... uh, a gimmick, but it still is cool. It's the size, shape of a golf ball. That means it can be hidden under the palm of a typical adult. I don't know why you're trying to hide it under the palm of a typical adult, but that's what they say. Device records 320 by 240 resolution at 25 per frames per second. The unit offers three add-on packs to outfit for specific uses. One is spying. One is sports. And according to the article, for some mind-boggling reason, diving. I don't know why that is mind-boggling, so maybe we should uh, harass this author and uh, tell her that, you know, what else is there besides diving? The basic unit, the Camball SG30, is approximately $150 normally, 
and then the SG31 is 200, which includes motion activation. Uh, the battery will tap out in about two and a half hours to continue recording, but will last for 12 hours on a power save mode. You still there? I'm here. Yeah. I was I was uh, partaking of some popcorn. Um, it, so, that would be pretty neat. Yeah, I'm just thinking about it. I'm just, you know, around Halloween, it would, you could almost paint it up like a little bit like an eyeball, couldn't you? Wouldn't that be mm-hmm. kind of neat? You'd look like... Uh, one of the Star Trek Borgs. Yeah. Or actually, that'd be neat. You could do like a little, uh, uh, you know, cyborg type of mask, and it could be kind of like, you know, your eye had been dislocated, and you could put it out. That's not really scuba related, though. Taking your eye out? No, I, I don't think so. Uh, for additional 45 you can buy the accessory packs, which consist of a clear mount, a USB cable, and a power adapter. Waterproof case, so you take it swimming or scuba diving. They don't give a depth, so I have a sneaky suspicion that it's uh, not going to be uh, able to go that far. But uh, like it's consumer rated, yeah, at waterproof, like three meters or something like that. Yeah, you know, like in a pool or something. But still, the fact that it was golf ball size, we mm-hmm. just had we just had to talk about it. I think that'd be neat. That'd be fun. So. Uh, and then uh, at you, you missed the last dive club meeting, which was a, which was a great meeting. Yes, I did. And uh, you know, uh, Bob was talking about he's going to order one of these cameras. He sent his uh, dry suit off to be repaired. Mm-hmm. So uh, he, uh, I guess he just gives him more time to do some uh, looking for gear. But he, uh, you know, saw one of these little weatherproof um, cameras that like you can mount to the, like uh, a helmet or something. Uh huh. So, and he says it was rated to like 230 feet and, or 330 feet or something, and it can handle, uh, you know, getting wet and beat up, and uh, it was high definition. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to him getting that and breaking it in and trying it out, and if that works, you know, how cool would that be to do a, a dive? Yes. And then everybody has high-def cameras, and, and I was even thinking, gosh, if you had something like that, you might want one to, one to each side of your head, and you, you could make 3D or something, so. Or just that would be fun, and it would if it's small enough and, and easy enough, it would sure be easier than lugging around a, a dedicated camera. Well, I'm even thinking even if you had a dedicated camera, just another angle. Mm-hmm. So, so that'd be cool. So yeah, you you missed that, but that came up during the meeting, and um, so since last week's meeting, I don't know, did you you didn't get a chance to dive, did you? No, I didn't. I uh, I. Did some work putting the boat up for the for the season. Oh, no. on it. I know. I, I read that on uh, Facebook, and uh, it just made me want to cry. It's like the boat's going yep. away. I know. It's, oh. So we'll be getting out less and less on the big lake. Yep. We'll be doing more shore dives. And, and it won't be long, and we'll be doing ice dives. Certainly. Uh, well, I mean, I'm... Not that I'm getting ready for the cold, but I'm ready for the great conditions we have in those ice dives. I didn't get a chance to dive this last week either. There was some some talk about a Saturday dive or a Sunday dive, but I did see that uh, Mac posted some photos again. Darn him! He got out a few more times than we did. Yes. And uh, looked like they had a little recovery that went, went was going on on the pier. So uh, mm-hmm. we'll have to have him come on and talk about uh, that that process of of finding the object and then having it pulled back in. Right. Yeah, it uh, that looked pretty interesting. Um, but did you see pictures of the big lake uh, over the last few days? Oh, 
dive conditions would have been prime. <laughs> My gosh. Yeah, that if, thing is whipping up some waves like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, if, if you've ever seen the lighthouse in St. Joe, uh, it's an old-style lighthouse that they, they had in the, the early part of the century. So you have uh, a pier that juts out into the lake, and they've got a catwalk with a big lighthouse. And then there's another catwalk off that that goes to a little lighthouse. And you look at that catwalk, which the, the deck on it has to be 10 feet above the, the pier top. Right. And you're thinking, well, why do you need that? And, you know, you could, but when you see these waves, I think the waves are breaking over the catwalk. They're certainly up there. I, I, w- I looked at the picture and it's like, wow. <sighs> but but then, then there's a part of you goes, that would still be cool. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Give me a boat that won't sink and uh, yep. enough horsepower and boy, we could be blasting through that. And I've, I've actually in the summer when the water's warm, you got to be careful of the undertow. But uh, I haven't quite been that big, but I've been in some rough water and that can, that can be a blast. Uh, mm-hmm. It is, as long as you're aware of what's going on and yep. and uh, have a no resuscitate order. That yeah. everybody understands you're good to go. <laughs> Sign that waiver because insurance company's not going to be happy with you. Neither right. is the Coast Guard if you get in trouble. No. So. Uh, no. But yeah, no, no diving for me last week. Now, how about this weekend? Do you think we're going to be able to fit anything in? Man, I'm hoping so. Do you have any any wind of anything? I haven't heard of anything. I've got to run to. You know, we've got uh, kids are trick-or-treating in Chesterton, Indiana on Saturday night, and then they've got Halloween in town on Sunday, so I think they're going to double dip and do that twice. So that's going to make Sunday really tough. But I'm thinking Saturday morning, if we can convince somebody to go real early, I might be able to get one in. But it will be one of those things, you know, you've gotta, you it's got to be pretty early. Yeah, yeah that kind of makes it tough. Yeah, how about you? You got what's your availability I like? I don't know. I'm not sure yet. I've got <laughs> I've got some commitments that I haven't uh, committed to yet. Does that make sense? Oh, I, I have um, plenty of those commitments myself. Um, so I, I think I'm just gonna have to play it by ear, and if something comes up, I'm gonna go. I am gonna go get some tanks topped off, and and uh, maybe wander around and look at all the the gear at the shop for a, mm-hmm. a while or until they kick me out and. Uh, yeah. Well, I've I've got uh, I filled my tank because I'd only used the one in the last dive, mm-hmm. and I bought a new card. Crap! I bought a new card. What happened to that card? Goodness! Now I'm making myself nervous. I don't remember putting the card <laughs> back in my wallet. Well, I should aren't have. Airfill, aren't air fill cards a wonderful thing? Oh, they're great. Well, that's what I'm thinking. I got I, I got nine air fills left. It's I like, need to woo-hoo. use them up. Yeah. Right. Well, it's that it it, it kind of takes that. Yeah, you don't want to say you can't dive because I couldn't afford the air fill. I mean, we all have those weeks where the budget's so tight, just seem a little too tight. Yep, yep. Yeah, and, and, and that's like what Rich was saying, where you know, buy your gear. You know, yes, that, that actually comes down to because that does make a difference. If if you really want to dive, as soon as you can get your gear to where you're not renting, because that renting and renting's not that expensive. It, it's a much more economical than I thought. So, but it's an incentive, a mental incentive to not dive. Well, right, but when you combine the fact that you've got your own gear and around here, and I won't even say what we pay because it's very inexpensive, but you get that that prepaid air fill card. That's like the greatest thing. If you're a dive shop, do those air fill cards. 
because you can you can like hide that away. It's almost like you know how guys like to have a little stash of money that nobody knows about. It's like that air filch. Yeah, I know, but it's like that air fill card. You know, some somebody says, "Hey, let's go." Or what typically happens is you 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 have the tanks full. You go dive, and then within a short amount of time, you have that that week. You know, it's that sunny week. It's perfect yep. weather. They they found this big chest of gold, and they need you to help get it up, and you get part of it by going. You do not want to scrub that dive because you can't afford an air fill. Right, exactly. So I just I, I'm with you. I just love that having that pre fill card. So I've got that already. Now it now it's like I got the obligation. Now I got it. I got to use it. It's just <laughs> like you've, you've got that card. You know, it, it's like it's like the, the, the best used by date. In fact, that it should be on the card. Best used by. Well, air expires. You can't just leave it. And no. if they've got it all loaded on that card, you got to move it. Yeah. You know, it's just like your BC, your, will, your BC will dry out if you don't use it every two weeks. That's true. That air card will, will, will start to get stale. That's true. You heard it here first. So, so hopefully we can get in the water this weekend. And it looks like some of our other divers, we have some people in the club, some friends. Uh, thank everybody who's following us. Uh, you know, Go ahead and leave some more comments out there on Facebook uh, and also on the iTunes. You know, iTunes has been very active. Uh, great head on over there. We appreciate everybody who's listening. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We have our Twitter accounts. Head over to the Scuba Obsessed website. And we do have some great discussions going on in Facebook. In fact, this week's discussion, we're asking, what is the craziest place you've actually dove? And uh, I'm going to pop on there, and, I'll, and we'll read a couple of them. Hmm. With my super fast internet now. Yeah, I used to be afraid to go. <laughs> and during the <laughs> podcast, it would just kill us. Okay, we could go offline, though. Now everybody's going to be going, I thought he was podcasting. Why is he on Facebook? Right. What are you okay. doing? We have somebody says, what's the best method for listening live and chat during the recording? Mm. Oh, I am sorry. We're going to have to go. <laughs> it, 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 it talks you. We just apologize. And that's something that you know, it feels like we've talked about enough tonight, but we haven't really gone in the air. Talk shoe on Thursday nights is just having a problem. So we're going to try and come up with an alternate chat channel. Because it just doesn't seem to be working out. It's a good service. I mean, it's it's worth what we pay, which is next to nothing. Right. For, but it just seems to be letting us down and not letting everybody get in. I'd like to have 10, 20 people in the chat channel and let everybody talk, but we'll come up with it. So maybe we'll do Ustream. Uh, we've also got a Justin TV possibility. So now this new internet connection, uh, we'll be going out and trying some new things. So hang in there. We'll get some ways for you to listen live. Uh, but the craziest... Yes, sir. And that's how you discovered the cure for what? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I didn't want to release that already. Oh, that's, okay. I, I led up to that, but I didn't want to actually identify it. I, I lost you at Ustream. Um, yeah, Ustream. So, <laughs> and maybe the Skype connection that, that stays on. Unbelievable. Uh, We've never had a problem with that end of it. No, no. It. So this is. Uh, I'm. This might be something with a new connection that. Well, I'll, I'll just have to monitor it. Uh, I'll. We'll. We'll. We'll figure it out. Uh, you know. I'm. The can. The connection I'm getting is a little quicker than what's normally allowed in my area. So they. There may have to be some stuff that gets uh, tuned down. Maybe a few too many dropped packets for people who know technology. But uh, over on Facebook, uh, we have some. 
some people who have some uh, comments. Uh, we, we posted something over there, which is, what is the craziest location you've had for a scuba dive? And, uh, you know, I'm in awe of some of our scuba-obsessed fans over there. Uh, they, they can, at times, put us to shame. So we have uh, uh, Craig says this is, uh, it's a place in the con- continental shift meets and drifts apart at two centimeters per year. It's the Silfra Crack in Iceland last November. Now, you, my man, are scuba obsessed. Second, the visibility you experience is rarely surpassed, if ever, 100 meters plus. Oh, my gosh. What's, I can't even imagine. What, what does a, you know, after we get a dry suit, <laughs> You're right. what, what does, what is an airplane ticket to Iceland? Right. Because, uh, and I've heard that. Uh, I've actually, there's a couple, uh, you know, there's a couple of our competing uh, podcasts out there. Go, go, you know, if you're scuba obsessed, you don't just listen to us, you listen to them all. And I think, uh, was it Pod Diver Joe? He's, yes. he's talked about going over there and doing some of these types of dives. And, uh, you know, there's, there's other people as well who I, I've, I've heard about these dives. So these are just absolutely amazing. The melting water from the glaciers about 50 kilometers away. Uh, so absolutely amazing. That is great. Uh, wish we'd go there. And then we have Scott Peterson. He's saying the crater, a natural hot spring inside a cave that is 65 feet deep, 98 uh, degrees Fahrenheit all year round. The bottom is littered with trash from pioneers. And I don't think he means pioneers like the mascots for a sports team. I think he means pioneers from right. the, the early days. So we love, I mean, that's part of the thing about diving is the history. You know, we've, we've, we dove on wrecks that have not seen, you know, they haven't been above the surface for over a hundred years. Right. And just, you, you think about that, that you're seeing something that even in a popular area, a majority of the people are not going to see. And it's just absolutely amazing that history. Right, you're very. Yeah. We are very privileged to be able to see some of the things that we see. Yeah. So uh, you know, again, you know, another pitch for, you know, what's that new campaign in Michigan? The Fresh Michigan, Pure Michigan. Pure Michigan. Pure Michigan. You know, they they need to do a couple of those just pure on diving, because we have some of the the best freshwater shipwrecks in the best condition you're going to find anywhere. So uh, thanks, Scott, for uh, talking about the crater. Uh, Rich is saying the craziest thing would be the Detroit River. I think part of that is just saying Detroit River, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, because Detroit has a reputation. It try it's trying to come back. Uh, you know, it, I don't think it deserves all the bad press that it gets. You know, some of it, but not all of it. So, provided they don't take the tires off your car, I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's the the, the crazy part of it. But yeah, definitely. It, we're going to have to go over there and hit that river sometime. And then uh, Cheryl says, uh, my friend's pond salvaging something. Uh, zero viz, pitch black in the middle of summer days. Couldn't see my hand in front of my face, but somehow kept seeing the shadow from the monster carp over my shoulder. <laughs> and we know that feeling because that just sounds exactly like uh, Singer Lake. That is so true. And you always out of the, the edge of your vision, there's always something. Yeah, and, and, and pitch black, you know, Mac was talking about it last week, is that there's certain things that raise that anxiety level. It's low vis, cold temperature. So when you're looking at your surface air consumption rates, those are the type of things that you've got to be uh, planning in there. 
So some uh, great stuff. So thank you. Keep leaving the comments on the site. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, encourage your diving friends to come over and you know invite them to the Scuba Obsessed Facebook site. Send them links to the website. We're, uh, the more the merrier. We'll get this community, keep this community growing. So, and I think we're coming to the end of another podcast. And you know what that means. It does. It means the bad scuba joke of the week. And since, uh, you know, we had such a full week and then Jim had to get some sleep, we didn't do one last week because he's always got to the vet and see if they qualify for bad. Uh, we talked about uh, maybe that, you know, I, I would do two this week. So I, I'm not sure. Maybe I'll do two. And actually, I thought about it won't be two scuba jokes because what I do is I go out there and I see other jokes and I go, that's that could be a scuba joke and we craft it. So here's one that couldn't you know a diver could it couldn't be a diver so i'll go ahead and say it and uh what what this one was and we won't even do we'll 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 save the the intro for the next one but what this one was is there was this guy and he calls home to his wife and he says oh, honey i'm sorry i i i've i've just got invited to a fishing trip and i've got to go so he says uh, i'm going to come home real quick if you can make sure that you pack my special fishing pajamas then I'll go ahead and uh, go. So he comes home, grabs the stuff, and uh, you know goes. And then he comes back in a week later, and he says, uh, "She goes, oh, how was the trip?" And he says, "Oh, it was a great trip." And and he says, "But the the one thing is, you didn't pack my special pajamas." She goes, "Sure, I did. I put them in your tackle box." Yeah. See, so you know the the innuendo in there that could not possibly happen to a scuba diver. Tis true. Tis tis true. It is. Uh, okay, so so here's that that was that was a, just a primer, you know, kind of the wet your your appetite. Okay, so here we go. Just picture this, and 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 you've got warning. So if that last one didn't get rid of you, this this one will. Uh, an old man and a young man dove together on a regular basis. One day, the old man had a jar of peanuts sitting by his his side, and in the dive gear. The young man just absolutely loves peanuts, but the old man didn't offer him any. After a time, while the old man was down retrieving his gear from their last dive, the young man yields to the temp- temptation, and he scarfs down half the old man's peanuts right from the jar. No. Yeah, he does. And then he just he, he seals it up, and, uh, and, and he, but he, he feels guilty. And he confesses later on uh, to his, his, his old man dive buddy, and he says, you know, Sorry, I, I took the peanuts. And after a hesitation, the old diver replies, "That's okay. Since I lost my teeth, all I can do is suck the chocolate off the peanuts anyway." <laughs> I mean, oh. <laughs> <sighs> so, on that note, <laughs> go out there and get wet <laughs> and dive safe. Yeah. Suck the chocolate clean off.